Welcome back to another episode of Criminal Beauty. Of course, I'm Shayna, your host. I hope everyone's week was good. Our last baby turned three years old this past Wednesday, and our 10-year-old son went on his first camping trip with his school. When I tell you it was a bit of an emotional week, it's probably an understatement, but we survived. Enough of me blabbing, though. Let me tell you about the case I will be telling you about today. Now, this case is a bit different than what I would normally do, but I found this case interesting, deserving, and it's a good way to bring awareness to the dangers that are out there. This week's episode is about a woman who was kidnapped and held as a sex slave for seven years, beaten and abused and made to live in a box, escaping to freedom in part to one of her abductors. This is the story of Colleen Stan. Stan was a 20-year-old who lived in Eugene, Oregon, was an attractive and adventurous young lady. In 1977, Colleen wanted to go to her friend's birthday party in Westwood, California. She considered herself a hitchhiking expert. She was always careful about who she got rides from. She was a regular hitchhiker and nothing had gone wrong, so she trusted her instincts. So on May 19, 1977, Colleen headed toward Westwood, hitchhiking and following her instincts. She caught a few rides from some truck drivers and made it all the way to Red Bluff, California, and she continued on hitchhiking. She turned down several rides already, then a blue van, driven by a man and his wife and their baby, pulled over to offer her a ride. Due to it being a family, she had deemed it safe and accepted the offer. She climbed in and they started driving. According to some sources, Colleen said that they had stopped at a gas station. She had got out to use the restroom and something in her told her to run and never look back but she didn't. She calmed herself and went back to the van. She said in an episode of Dangerous Persuasions that when she got back in the van, there was this weird looking box that hadn't been there before and she didn't know what it was. So she just kind of ignored it. Colleen noticed the man in the rearview mirror and said that he had just kept looking at her as it would anyone. It was freaking her out. And she even said that she had got chills up her spine. It didn't seem okay. Colleen kept telling herself it was nothing and not to make a big deal of it. She described the road that they had turned onto. She said it was a dirt road and that a stream was nearby, but there was no people, no houses, nothing. She watched as the woman and their baby went down to the stream, but she didn't know where the man that was driving had went. And this is where things go downhill. Unfortunately, Colleen would never make it to Westwood because it was less than an hour into the drive when the man drove to this remote area, held a knife to Colleen's neck, handcuffed her, gagged her and blindfolded her, then placed a heavy head box over her head. Cameron Hooker and his wife Janice are the two that took Colleen. They had apparently been looking to kidnap someone and had been on the prowl the day that Colleen started hitchhiking to her friend's party. Cameron Hooker was 23 at the time and his wife Janice was 19. Apparently, Janice and Cameron had agreed that Cameron could capture a slave to take Janice's place because from 
what I got, Cameron liked to act out sexual bondage, but Janice wasn't a fan. Their original agreement was that there wouldn't be any penetrative sex. They eventually drove to a house and led Colleen down to a cellar, where she would ultimately be held prisoner, naked and suspended. That's when her nightmare would begin. First being held captive in a head box, Cameron would torture Colleen in horrifying ways like starving, burning, beating, raping, and electrocuting her. He even hung her from the ceiling by her wrists, beaten and then forced to watch the couple engage in sexual activity. And that was the hooker's original plan, just to force Colleen to watch them in the act after they abused her. She said that once they were done, he took her and padlocked her to a table, placed the box back over her head, and then left. She remembers trembling in fear, getting super claustrophobic and hyperventilating, thinking she was going to die. Her dad was interviewed by the producers of Dangerous Persuasions, and he said that her friends had called them and told them that Colleen had left to go visit a friend in Westwood, but that she had never shown up. At that point, her dad said he didn't know what to think. So they went to the police station and filed a report with them, but none of them took it seriously. Cameron made a coffin-like box to put her in. She said that he had put a blower that would blow air into the box. The couple would keep her in that box for up to 23 hours a day. They took her out of the box and cleaned her up. Colleen had beautiful long hair, but it was tangled, horribly tangled. Janice was trying to untangle it, and it wasn't budging. This is when Colleen heard a name for the first time. Cameron had called his wife by her name. Janice left and then came back with some sort of oil, according to Colleen, and she started pouring it on Colleen's hair, but that didn't work, so Janice started chopping Colleen's hair off. Colleen didn't think that the regular beatings and rape were the worst part, though. Cameron eventually convinced her that he was part of a satanic organization called The Company, and they were watching her and even had her family's home bugged. Her most prominent fear was that an escaped attempt would cause the company to harm her family, so she remained in captivity. In January of 1978, Colleen said that Cameron had built a workshop under the stairs, and she would be able to go in there, and she would make things by hand like macrame and little crafts. Her first job down there was shelling a bucket of nuts. She was also forced to sign a slave contract stating she was their slave for the rest of her life. That's the exact moment Colleen had learned about the company. By the way, Colleen was made to answer to K, and not like the name K, but the letter. She was to call Cameron Master, and his wife Janice was to be called Ma'am. Colleen said that she was made to clean and cook. The interesting part about this was that Colleen said that while she was out doing the chores, it was like nothing bad was happening. She said the hooker's daughter would walk around and peek around the corner like she was playing hide-and-seek. She never witnessed them treat their daughter with anything other than love. Like they were good at departmentalizing their life. Cameron would eventually make her start doing what she referred to as attention drills. When Cameron would say attention, Colleen would have to strip down and stand naked. At this point, Janice would put her two cents in, saying things like, well, I can clean the kitchen in 20 minutes. Why does it take you half an hour? Or, if you think you're anything special, you better think again. 
your value is no more to us than a piece of furniture. And that's when Colleen realized that Janice was jealous of her. It gets worse. Cameron would take her to the bedroom and tie her to the bed. Janice would go to one side of the bed and Colleen could hear them kissing each other over her. This is when Cameron begins raping Colleen, but seconds after, Janice jumps up and starts vomiting. Colleen found out later that Janice had actually put him up to that first rape. She was testing him. Remember, the deal was that he could have a slave, but he couldn't have sex with that slave. About a year into her captivity, the hookers relocated to a mobile home. Colleen remembers Cameron coming down into the basement and handcuffing her and placing a blindfold over her eyes. He then took her to the car, and according to her, they drove for about 10 minutes. She thought that this was it, that this was where she would die, but Cameron got her out of the car and walked her into a new place. They took her to the master bedroom, and she noticed that he had already constructed a box underneath their waterbed. The sick bastard stored her under the couple's waterbed in that box, as if she was just an old comforter or something. The box was long enough that she could lay stretched out, and there was a hose that blew air inside of the box. If she turned over and looked into the hose, she could see a little bit of light, but aside from that, complete darkness. She would sometimes put her ear up to the hose, and she could hear noises, but she couldn't make out what they were saying. She was so terrified by the situation that her body just shut down. She would start going places in her mind, thinking about her family and trying to think happy thoughts. Janice gave birth to her second child on that bed. Colleen can remember hearing Janice crying out in pain. She could hear her pushing. Colleen said that there was a silence, and then she heard the baby crying. About a half hour later, Cameron opened the box and let her out and allowed her to go over and look at the baby, and then he locked her back up in the box. According to allthingsinteresting.com, the couple had two daughters, and for an hour or two a day, Colleen would be let out to clean and babysit their children. Their children were not aware that Colleen was being held against their will. Quote, Anytime I was taken out of the box, I never knew what to expect. Fear of the unknown was always with me, as I was kept in the dark both physically and mentally. End quote. Colleen had said that on an episode of Dangerous Persuasions. They started allowing her out more often, and Colleen got to see daylight for the first time since she had been abducted. Cameron would allow her to do things as long as she complied. He would allow her to work in the garden and go for jogs. When Janice and the kids were gone, Cameron would take her out, torture her, and rape her, and then he would cuddle her. He would make her lay her head in his lap and would talk nice to her and say things like, it's going to be okay. He always admitted that he had fallen in love with her. She had brought up going and seeing her family, but he used the excuse that the company would have to approve it and that he was working on it. He said that if they did approve it, that she would be the first slave to ever be able to visit their family. There was one time after Cameron had taken her out of the box and had his way with her that she had asked him 
when he had started getting interested in the bondage and stuff and he had told her that he was about six when he started drawing women tied up she asked him what he would do if someone had done this to his daughter and his response was that he would kill them so she asked quote how do you think my father feels end quote and that's when he locked her back up in the box in march of 1981 over three years after her abduction he would allow her to see her family he said that the company said that they wanted him to perform some tests to make sure that she was going to obey and that she was able to be trusted as if trust had anything to do with it he went and got a shotgun told her to place the barrel in her mouth and pull the trigger she did because she said that if it had actually had a bullet she wouldn't have cared he would accompany her and would tell her that she had to tell them that he was her fiance telling her that a travel trailer close by was owned by the company and that they were listening to her family he was to be called mike could you imagine that's sick like demented even like, excuse my language, but what the actual fuck? Oh, and her family even snapped a happy-looking photo of the two. They were a bit concerned about the lack of communication and money. They assumed she was in a cult of some sort. They didn't push it, though. They feared she would disappear for good if they had. Cameron had originally told her that she would be able to stay the weekend with her family, but he had cut that short. Her family asked if they could get some contact information, but Cameron came back with an excuse of them being in the process of moving and that once they got settled that they would let them know. Her family just believed it and said okay. Once they had left, her dad thought about it and said that he should have gotten the license plate number and they could have traced him. Colleen didn't know what to expect when she got back because before they left to see her family, Cameron had made her go around and tell everyone that she was leaving. When they got back, he put her back in the box, and that's where she pretty much stayed for the next three years. Colleen said during the summertime that it had to be at least 120 degrees in that box. She said that eventually she felt her body get cool, and she felt like she was floating inside the box. She saw what she called angels or white bits of light, and they would tell her they were there to protect her. She knew she was close to death. In December of 1983 Colleen's birthday which is the 31st and it was 1 a.m. when they took her out of the box and brought a cake with candles to the table and told her happy birthday and had her blow out the candles they even bought her a bible she was able to eat her cake and brush her teeth before they put her back in that box Colleen was taken aback by them even acknowledging her birthday things started changing Janice began getting Colleen out of the box in the morning, and they would study the Bible together. Cameron had said that they had to wear prayer hats in reverence to God. She said she saw more of her human side when Janice was studying the Bible, and Janice had started viewing her as more of a human being instead of a piece of furniture. She knew that Janice knew that Cameron was losing control of the situation. Cameron had Colleen help him dig a hole, something he had referred to as a dungeon, According to Colleen, he had planned to abduct more women to make them his slaves. Colleen felt that Janice couldn't face going through all of this with someone else. She could see Janice changing right in front of her. Cameron eventually had Janice take Colleen to look for a job, and she started working as a maid for a hotel. 
One day, Colleen was working when Janice showed up and told her that they needed to talk. Colleen assumed this wasn't super important, so she kept working, but Janice insisted that she sit down so they could talk. Janice told Colleen that she needed to leave Cameron. In the article on allthingsinteresting.com, Janice confessed that her husband had brainwashed her, just as he had done Colleen, since they first started dating. She claimed that she developed denial techniques and compartmentalized that aspect of her life. Janice eventually revealed to Colleen that her husband was not a part of the company and helped her escape. According to wiki.ng, Janice took Colleen to the bus station in August of 1984, where Colleen contacted her father for money for a bus ticket home. Colleen had actually called Cameron about 10 minutes before the bus left and told him that she was leaving him. She said in her mind she was taking back her life. When she told him this, his reaction was busting out in tears. Janice had originally asked Colleen not to say anything to anyone about her captivity and that she had planned to rehabilitate Cameron through counseling and prayer. And due to the fear, Colleen never told anyone. But when Janice realized that she could not help her husband come away from his sick and twisted fantasy, she reported him. Janice had contacted Lieutenant Jerry D. Brown of the Red Bluff Police and told him everything. On August 22, 1984, Cameron Hooker was arrested. Police go back and search the home. They find some pretty disturbing things, but nothing to prove that Colleen was ever there. This is all because, much to their dismay, since the confession, Janice has returned to her husband and under his order had destroyed all the evidence. So police dig further, and they find that even though Janice was ordered by Cameron to destroy everything, she had missed something. As the police are going through the evidence and looking at different items, something fell out of one of the magazines that Cameron had kept. It was a negative of a photo that Cameron had taken of the contract that he had Colleen sign. So, the DA has the proof they needed to take Cameron to trial, and he is indicted on 10 counts of kidnapping and rape. The prosecution reconstructed the box that Colleen was kept in, and it sat there in the courtroom every day of the trial. But even though they had all the evidence, the case relied heavily on Colleen's testimony. According to the prosecutor, Christine McGuire, Colleen appeared to the jury to be very calm. She didn't look like or sound like she was out for revenge. There were, however, times that she would appear surprised when she described her own behavior, but she didn't explain why. She was the way she was. She left that all up to the experts. Janice testified against him, and for that, she was given full immunity. It was October 18th of 1984 that Cameron Hooker took the stand in his own defense. Christine McGuire stated that he did admit that he did kidnap her and that he did kidnap her because he wanted sex and a slave, but that at some point in time he was going to set her free, but she chose to remain with him because by this time she had fallen in love with him. He claimed that the sexual acts that he and Colleen had were consensual and not rape. Chris Hatcher, a clinical psychologist and a criminal profiler, testified against Cameron for the prosecution. Cameron's strategy didn't work. The jury didn't believe him. In the end, Cameron was found guilty and sentenced to consecutive prison terms totaling 104 years for sexual assaults, 
kidnapping, and using a knife in the process. After the trial, Colleen studied for an accounting degree and, as reported by Mara Bovson, in March of 2014 in a, da- in a New York Daily News article, quote, Colleen tried to move on to a normal life, end quote. Colleen also joined and volunteered for Reading Women's Refuge Center, which is an organization to help abused women. Colleen also suffers from injuries of her abuse and captivity. She suffers with chronic back pain and shoulder pain. She said that she has her faith to thank for her survival and her freedom. She got married and had a daughter and is now a grandmother, according to Wiki NG. She released a book in 2009 called The Simple Gifts of Life. According to an interview with Christina Mendoza, Colleen had seen a photo of another girl while in captivity. Janice had also told police about a, and confessed to the murder of Marlitz, a woman who they had abducted about a year prior to Colleen. Colleen said that she would see it as she was getting in and out of the box, tucked off in a little cubby along with her purse, but that it wasn't until her release that she found out who that girl was. The girl's name was Marie Elizabeth Sponaki, a.k.a. Morlitz. Marie was last seen in Chico, California around 4 p.m. on January 31st, 1976. Her body was never found. Janice's life after the horrible abduction changed drastically. She reverted back to her maiden name, Lashley, and became a registered associate social worker and had worked as a mental health professional. Both Janice and Colleen remain living in California, but the two do not communicate. Bonnie, Colleen's sister, said on the episode of Dangerous Persuasions that the sister that left on that trip is gone. She will never be the same. Her dad said that he doesn't know how she did it, how she has done as well as she has done after all that she has been through. According to an article on appealdemocrat.com, Cameron was not eligible for parole until 2022, but a change in state law concerning elderly prisoners made him eligible for an earlier release, reducing his sentence to 74 years. He petitioned for parole in 2015, but the request was denied and was said that he had to wait an additional 15 years. He remains incarcerated in the California Institution for Men. He is 67 years old now. And before I end this episode, I just want you all to take this to heart. What has happened to Colleen, and at this point in time, many other people, some not as lucky as Colleen Stan. Be aware of your surroundings. Don't be afraid to speak up and speak out. The world can be a dangerous place. A lot of people think that this could never happen to them, but it can. Until next time, stay safe, friends. I mean that. Thank you for tuning in this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit that subscribe or follow button and tune in every Monday for a new episode. Episode suggestions can be sent to criminalbeautypod at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook at criminalbeauty20 and on Instagram at criminalbeautypod.